Bring it in. It's the Reed Option Podcast. The Super Bowl is set. Andy Reed and Patrick Mahomes returning. And bang, bang, bird game. The Philadelphia Eagles will be matched up against the Kansas City Chiefs in Phoenix, Arizona, two weeks from yesterday. Uh, from an objective football fan, there's, uh, there's, there was some stuff to enjoy about yesterday, and there's a whole lot to be disappointed in, understandably. Uh, but as an Eagles fan, I'm on cloud nine, man. Still riding it. Woke up a little slow this morning. Voice was a little hoarse. Um, and Scotty and I are still friends. Scotty is here. Um, I'll say this. It, it's not how you ever want your team to lose, but in, in terms of saving our friendship in a big game like this, this is actually a kind of outcome the way that game played that I actually think makes it easier. Cause we both agree. Like it sucks the way that fucking game went out. It doesn't make it easier. It still sucks. So while I'm on cloud nine, I know you're down Scotty and I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, uh, let's just and- get this over. with. <laughs> <laughs> and Vito was at the game. So we're going to get some tales from the game from Vito and apparently was at the players after party. Yeah. I'll, so- I'll get into this. It was uh, it, like I said, Sounds cooler than it probably was. The funniest part, and I'll just start off with that a little bit, was that like we get there, we went to dinner and uh, with Grant and uh, his family, and uh, it was great to see that. I can't believe he's in the fucking Super Bowl. It's crazy. But uh, we go from we go from dinner and we're walking over, and Grant's like, "Oh, we'll stop by." They ran out of bar, and we get there, and I'm like, "Oh, it's can't." There's some guys that we've met up with before, but it was like it was like Elliot. It was like Jake Elliot. And like all the players who didn't play, everyone else went home. Like if you play, yeah. like, you know what I mean? They were tired, but it was, it was still, there were some guys, I shouldn't say everyone, but like it was a majority of those guys. And it was out a little later. It was fun. It was fun, but we didn't stay long. It was uh, more of a, it was way more chill than you would think. It was like, yeah. uh, this was cool, man. Have a couple well, of years. And, and I know, yeah, because that's the thing too. It's like, they're going to, I'm sure that they have today off Monday. Yep. Uh, and then they'll get their schedule and everything set up. I mean, it's the next two weeks are a whirlwind. It's a long ass time, but it also like these guys are going to be going through so many different things. And that's always kind of the way the the Super Bowl works. But it is funny you say that because I saw a quote from Devontae. Like there were some players who were trying to figure out like, yo, what are we doing after the game or whatever? And Devontae told him he was straight up. He's like, yo, I'm taking my ass to bed. Dude. He's <laughs> like, I am exhausted. Yeah. I want to go home. Yeah, exhausted rest. from that big catch that he didn't make. It oh, was a great catch. It was a great catch. Hey, and t- 20 years from now, when we look back in this in the stat book, <laughs> It's going to say Devontae, Devontae Smith catch on fourth and three in the first yeah. quarter. Uh, massive sure will. game. Um, Glad you I, have the the high conversion rate, too, for the Eagles when they get to the NFC championship game. Because, I mean, like every time you get there, you win. But it just doesn't happen as much as the Niners. So you got well, this one good It job. is funny because the first three they went to, they lost. Yeah. yeah. In the Andy Reid era. They lost in 2001, 2002, and 2003. And then 2004 is when they finally made it. And then yeah. they got asked their ass. So it's like they lost their, I mean, from 1980 until 2001. Yeah, it was that same. It was that same thing. But I mean, that's again, that's Andy Reid going to the NFC championship. But now it's three in a row. It's three in a row. The link is, I, I don't know, Vito. Like this is actually something because we didn't get a chance to talk about this much um, yesterday. Because obviously I was celebrating. Scotty was sad, understandably. And Vito was uh, in the streets of Philadelphia. Hmm. Um 
So what was the environment like there? Because I, I think before we actually get into the games, um, we're going to start with Eagles Niners because we always do time-wise, but also for this pod. The other game was the better game, like no question. But we're going to start here because we kind of get this out of the way. So, Vito, how was it? What was the end? It seemed like an absolute party in the stands. It looked like everyone was standing the whole game. It just looked insane. It was, man. And it was one of those things where everyone there, you know, I I heard this a lot yesterday, is that a lot of people were talking about how championship games, AFC and NFC, these two games, the crowds are going to be way bigger and better than whatever, whoever plays in the Super Bowl, wherever it is, just because of the fact there's so many business people getting taken out. These are the real fans, right? These are the fans of these teams. Um, it was wild. I'll say this. I think I texted you guys that both. There were a lot more Niners fans tailgating. I'll say that, Sky. They were out there um, hanging yeah, out. We travel, but, man. But no, but in the, yeah, but in the stadium, it was, it was 95% Eagles. They, they did yeah, a great that's, job. That's because they don't have a death wish. Yeah. 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 Honestly. Yeah. Um, Fun fact for everybody, Philly has a jail in it, in the stadium. They also apparently have a judge on, like, uh, on call so that they can sentence you and get you right to booking to get you out of there. And it happened because of, like, when the Eagles lost a big game, they were beating up the other fans, and that's how it started. Anyway. I was going to say, well, that that was in the old vet. I don't think, I don't think the no, link they, has No, they that. have it in the link. Do they? They have one in the link, oh. yeah. When they, I always thought that was just at the vet. I didn't think they they still have it. No, yeah. It doesn't surprise me, but no. But anyway, so the point is though that like a lot of Eagles fans, like you said, staying the whole time, partying. It was awesome, but everyone was there. It felt like business. It was like it felt like the closest thing I've felt to standing in the stands and being a part of a game since I was like president of Nittanyville at Penn State. Yeah. Right, and that like it was. It was like, man, this is an NFC championship, but every play we are screaming until our voices go out. We are going to make sure we are impacting and doing our part. And everyone felt that way. Parents, kids, like there were, it was everyone. And uh, a lot of high fives, a lot of celebrations. It was a party. Um, I was nervous in the first quarter and a half, but then, uh, you know, things turned and, and, but Eagles were playing well the whole game. And at least they knew that, you know, if they put together a solid game, it will be close. And, and luckily they end up obviously with the unfortunate injury um, too. Yeah. really. We ended up with a game we got, but the, the stadium was crazy. The fans were great afterwards. Philly was wild. I, this is hilarious. We go down to this area and get to get some food and hang out with some of those guys before they all have to leave. And then I took the train up. I'm taking the train up and they, Philly, I fucking love you. They they don't stop at any of the stops they're supposed to. They skip a lot when they're after a game, right? To get people out of there. They skipped everything and just went right to City Hall. That's they, you you could not get off on any stops, but like south of that because they locked the the gates the to get down there. Yeah, just so people wouldn't go yeah, down. Yeah, they didn't want people going in. Which is funny. Last Super Bowl, I remember going down there because it was easier to go street to street underground. Anyway, uh. <laughs> point is that like everyone then got out at city hall. So for hours and hours, people just were like, Oh, well I'm here. Like I had to get out here. So yeah. I'm just going to hang out and be outside and drink. And people were giving out beers. Um, people were just having a great time. And then, uh, man, that, that city was electric today. Uh, people are just fucking happy, man. And, and sorry, Scott, I don't not, you know, it, it's, this is the other side of the coin, right? So, um, obviously you're feeling the other side of this, but, um, this is championship weekend. This is when emotions are probably the highest. And especially in a place like Philly, you know, like I, you know, and not, 
not to keep bringing up things that Scotty hates, but like the 13th man gets coined that in Seattle because it, it makes a difference. Like in big games like that, the crowd being on your side is it's a massive advantage. Uh, and in addition to it's like Brock Purdy before he got hurt, right. Didn't look too phased, but also didn't look great. It was such a small sample size. It was really tough to kind of even tell, but he couldn't hear. Like he had both hands covering up there. There was miscommunication stuff right off the bat. Josh Johnson's the same way. Josh Johnson's been in the NFL for about 13 years, like played for 14 different teams in the NFL. He couldn't hear, you know, like it's just, and at that point that was kind of when the game felt like it was out of hand. Right. And yeah. in a lot of play, like in, in a lot of Multiple places, play games, like, particularly yeah. like in Philly, it's like in blowout games like that. We saw it with the giants last week. We saw it in 2017 with the Vikings game. It just starts turning into a party. Like it just, yeah. it goes from being yeah. a football game to the lead so big. And again, extenuating circumstances with this game that we just, you knew it was over. So it's at this point, it's like, how much can we drink? How loud can we get? How much fun can we have here? Last home game of the year, uh, you know, before the game, you know, be- before the hit clocks hit zero. And then, yeah, we're all going up the city hall. We're, we're going up broad street. We're about to fucking burn this city down uh, as much as you can uh, for a championship game. So uh it's just such an electric place. I mean, I was getting my, my sister and Kenny FaceTime me from the street. They went out into broad street. Uh, and it's those moments where I, I hate not being home. I hate not being back, you know, for those moments where you can, you can just say, fuck it, let's go out. And, um, I, I've, I've contemplated potentially going up to Philly for the Super Bowl. I don't think I'm going to, I think I'm going to hang low. I have, we had a party kind of thing planned out anyway, so I don't want to bail on that. Um, but yeah, man, it's just, it's, and you said it best, right? I mean, Scotty's going through it. And if it had been the other way around, I, I, I'd be in the same, exact same boat. So it's, it's something you understand. But uh, at the same time, you know, go birds, dude. Like, I've, it's, it's <laughs> like I've been on cloud nine for, yeah. you know, for the last 24 hours. And it's because that's the beauty of, of this game in, in this time of year. So let's, let's go into the actual game. Let's talk about it. Because, Scott, I know you have things that you're upset about. Um, because I think what a lot of people will do, and and there's been a lot of people doing this. It's been a lot of, well, who have the Eagles played? Easiest path to the Super Bowl of all time. You know, oh, like Brock Purdy gets hurt. You're going up against fourth string quarterback, you know. And, uh, and, and again, those there are there's a lot of truth in a lot in like those kinds of statements. Eagles have had a relatively easier road. But two weeks ago, we were talking about the amount of people taking the Giants, right? Because everyone thought that Giants team was going to be actually pretty good. And then it, it, it was, well, this Niners defense is so good, they're going to hold you down. The Eagles did put up 31 points, and, and they didn't do it the way well, we all thought we were, they were going to do it. But they were able to still put up 31 points, so a credit where credit's due. And the Eagles defense played outstanding football in this game. Uh, all Up until and after, obviously, Purdy goes out. All of that being said, I do think there's some moments here, right, where you can look back if you are a Niners fan like Scott is, where you go, there were some coaching mistakes. There was a lot of game management mistakes. There's a lot of undisciplined football mistakes from the 49ers, uncharacteristically undisciplined, which I think the environment of playing in a place that hostile and you're losing and tempers flare that like the late hit out of bounds, obviously all the shit at the end with Trent Williams, which was just I mean, I, no, I get it. Stupid and it's, awful, man. Yeah, it's just like, come on, dude. Like, and I don't know what Kevon Wallace said because he didn't even do anything. He just got ejected for talking. Yeah, so, he said something. So he must have said yeah. something to get it <laughs> to get him ejected because there were no sucker punches. He didn't do anything. Yeah. Like, so he must must have just said something. 
but yeah, man, I, all in all, and Scotty, we can, we can go to you like big, biggest takeaways here if, from the Niners perspective. Cause it, I'll tell you this, right. After McCaffrey breaks off that touchdown run, which was sick. Yeah. It's a, it's a seven, seven game. Right. And then yeah. the Eagles go and rip off this <clears throat> long drive. They milk the clock bully ball style, punch it into the end zone. It's a minute and a half left in the game in the first half. Why aren't you just trying to run out the clock, get to halftime? You're getting the ball back at halftime. It'll give you some time to think about what you can do with Josh Johnson. Instead, they drop back. And Greg Olson even said on the broadcast, he goes, he's like, man, oh, surprise. They, they threw the ball in first down. And they completed. It was a 10-yard pass for a first down. Next play, he drops the ball. And then at that point, the game felt completely over. So uh, up until that point, I still felt like this was a game. Like from the Eagles' perspective, the fan perspective, still being worried about, are we really going to lose this game to Josh Johnson somehow? Um so, Scotty, from your perspective, did it feel like you still had a chance at that point? What's going through your yeah, head even, and even, your frustrations? Even up and through halftime, like, you know, 7-7 seven, seven game. I don't care who's quarterbacking out there. Obviously, like, it was Brock and then Josh Johnson. But, like, Brock has been in those games this season, right? Um, it's 7-7 seven, seven against the best defense in the league, uh, against an offense who's who's dominating the time of possession. Um and our defense is coming up with with stop after stop after stop um, in the middle of those scoring drives. So it, it, to me, I was like, okay, I mean, this is fine. If we're going to do defense, put the, the game on your back and then have uh, just enough uh, on the quarterback side. And then obviously um, McCaffrey, um, who didn't get the ball enough. What did I say at the, at the beginning of uh, when, when we previewed this game? If McCaffrey has like 20 plus touches. Um, it's it's a wrap because he's going to come up with 150 total yards, but they didn't get the ball to him enough, um, and, and it was it was hard. You know, like I, I, I said too, the uh, the environment thing was so huge. That's why a couple of weeks ago in week 18, I was so uh, I was so passionate giving you guys shit about hope you lose so that we can get the one seed because I think that makes the the biggest difference here too is that if that game's in San Francisco, Brock Purdy going out doesn't mean as much as it did in Philadelphia. Like it does, it hurts, but, um, but that to yeah. to have that happen on the road that that was that was I think where the game turned, for sure. Yeah, I mean it's dude, it's hard to get those calls in, and and even if you're used to making those play calls, but I mean I'll say this: this is the number one thing I thought when he came in was like, when was the last time that he practiced or played without a red jersey on? Who Josh, Josh yeah. Johnson? You mean? Yeah, yeah. He, well, like, you, you remember, remember he had it? well he had that hail mary touchdown pass for the Panthers this year. Remember the one that sent it into overtime against the Falcons? Yeah. That was him. That was him. Jesus. Yeah. I love this. Um, yeah. He threw that crazy. And then DJ Moore took his helmet off and then yeah. that pushed the field, the extra point back and they missed it and went to overtime. And then they lost in overtime. But yeah, I mean, that's why like he comes into the game and I'm like, Kyle Shanahan has done magic with so many random backup quarterbacks. And so many, like I would, like, I, I was definitely still worried. Yeah. Um, but he had never played the, meaningful snaps for this team. Exactly. At all. And, but I think too, that that's going to be, and we'll probably talk about it in the, in the off season, but like that to me is the biggest question um, yeah, for the, for the 49ers next year is what do you do on, on quarterback? I mean, Brock Purdy has a one Oh one QBR in the games that he started this year. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and you extrapolate his stats out. Like, we look, we see on the field like, oh, it doesn't look great, especially when when he's up against a tough defensive line like the Eagles were. Uh, we saw numerous examples of that um, over the over the stretch here. But like, 
when you extrapolate out the numbers that he's putting up, like he's, and you extrapolate that over 16 games, 17 games, like, I don't know how you, you, at at the very least you have to have the battle, but like, I don't know how you uh, can turn to Trey Lance and be like, this is your team still uh, go for it. Yeah. And and if they end up trading one of them, I, I think you're trading Trey Lance, right? Yeah, I would, I, mean, that's, I would that's think, yeah. Only because that's you're getting more value back from him. Yeah, right. In the offseason, right? You're you're more likely to get the second round pick for Trey Lance, given the upside and the talent, than a guy like Brock Purdy, who he's not necessarily a product of his surroundings, but has you know made the most of that and has played really, really good football. Undefeated in games that he start and finished, right? It it's hard to you're not sitting here blaming Brock Purdy for this game, um, other than the fact that he got hurt. I, you know, Tom Brady's out there. Do they try to go do that? Um, yeah, well, that, yeah. <laughs> like, there's a lot of different directions the San Francisco team can go. And yeah. I, I would think if you're, if you're putting odds on it, I would, I would think Purdy's probably the favorite coming back. Um, this nerve injury, I mean, it, it's a more serious injury than I, I thought. Um, I mean, it's his UCL and he's, it's, it's a separate, it's a nerve thing. Now, yeah. you, he couldn't grip things, the ball, they said, right? Yeah, he's, he couldn't throw the ball more than 10 yards. And so when Josh Johnson gets knocked out of the game with the concussion and then he has to – and then Purdy has to come back in, they couldn't throw the ball. I mean, the only time um, – they, they, they had one more pass attempt for the rest of the game after Brock Purdy came back in the game, and that was the Christian McCaffrey play where he threw it to literally no one. nobody. <laughs> it was that – yeah, it was that double reverse pitch back, you know, and he's trying to throw it. And – um I also noted too, that was 100% intentional grounding, but I swear the refs just didn't call it because they just, they felt that <laughs> it was like, I, I was like, like, did you hear their explanation for why they didn't call that? Yeah. That we heard no. in the stadium, they came on the thing and said that he, uh, that technically the, on the second reverse, the guy got outside the pocket, then the ball went back in. So they said, cause they, to your point, like, yeah, that was grounding. And then they, they at least said in the stadium, cause I think you went to commercial or something after yeah. that. And they said that like the second, the, the guy moving to the right of, of the line of scrimmage yet yeah, had the ball outside the tackle box and pitched it back. Cause that we were all saying the same thing. Like that's fucking grounding, like yeah. easy call, you know? So because it, but I thought if, even if you leave the tackle box and come back into it, it's still intentional grounding, but maybe it has to do with the pitches well, on it. I'm guessing it's like a, like an obscure it's, rule that the NFL yeah, would have. You it's know? just another example of how poor the officiating was in both of I these games. It, this I, week. I well, let's let's talk about that because yeah. the officiating in the second game, there's definitely some some uh, questionable calls. We were talking about this before we started recording. the The only one, and I went through each of the penalties um, today. The only one that I think was a legitimate gripe was the holding call. Um, against AJ well AJ Brown was running the route and at the top of the route he kind of spun yeah he was just doing a spin move and uh I think it was Lenore's hand was just in the wrong place at the wrong time it looked like it from like at a glance it did look like he kind of spun him but you're like but that's AJ Brown who has probably 50 pounds on Lenore and three inches and is running full speed fully I'm sorry like that's just not past that's just not holding um other than that though I think and then we did say this too: the roughing the kicker that could have been running into the kicker, which would have been a five yard penalty instead of the 15 yard and the automatic first down. Um, he kind of hit him after when his leg was up. So it was like, he ran into the plant leg, but then also made contact with his kicking leg first, 
which would make it more running into the kicker as a or roughing the kicker as opposed to running into the kicker. Scotty's upset because he thinks that he was pushed into the kicker. However, in the NFL, if that play happens, every time a kicker gets run into like that, or almost every time, it's somebody pushing it, getting pushed into it. Like it's they're never gonna not call it for that. Um, though I again I do understand the gripe. Um, I thought the officiating crew did did an okay job. I didn't think they yeah, were amazing. Well, that's because the Eagles are 14 and seven in games that John Hussey and his crew referee, and they'll call them for any penalties at all. That's 10 against true. us. That's it is true. true. There are penalties against the Eagles. I th- honestly, and then this is what I'm saying. I think it was came three. Back to, I think it came back to Shanahan. I think this team was not prepared to play in this environment. I, I really, I really do. And then the frustration of Brock Purdy getting knocked out and this whole team you spend all year to get to this point, and then in the first quarter, not to, and then all week staying up, installing this game plan, you're right there. Like, it, it feels like this is going to be a knockdown, dragout kind of fight just based off the first five minutes of the game. And then all of that gets wiped away in a second. Like that's, yeah. that's got to be so frustrating. And that it was very clear. Like that's what the Niners felt. And, and I'll say this, there was that one drive, right? There was one drive specifically, Scotty, early with all those penalties happened. It was like three or four first downs because of uh, yeah. nice on, penalties. On, and some of those definitely were, were penalties. Uh, I think that was when the holding call. There was one that defensive holding or maybe legal contact. Hands, they hands, hands, the hands to the face. I that doubt, was one that, that was a hundred percent a penalty. I was, yep. I remember I, it was right around that time. I think illegal contact was when I was like the whole fucking game is the legal contact. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> the the well, late hit I, out of bounds on hurts. Like that was, yeah. that was a penalty. You so know. The Eagles got a lot of first. So it, it kind of exacerbated the whole situation, but I do, th- I do think that, this was probably, if you're a neutral fan, to your point, Jeff, this was called a lot better than the later game. Um, and oh, that was, yeah, that was just atrocious. And we'll definitely get into that. But I, I do think it wasn't. Um, let's say this: you could have addition officiating crew out there, but with the circumstances and how it happened, it's nothing's are, changing. Yeah, yeah. And and the Eagles got screwed, you know, from the the punt that hit the wire. Yeah, you know? that was like, wild. And that, like that was an obvious thing that everybody saw what happened. Now the the refs are also trained not to f- track the ball in the air, like because they have to look for other penalties that might like that might happen. And at the end of that play, they t- they added another fifteen yards for a holding on on I think it was Zach Pascal maybe, um, for on somebody on the Eagles. So that was like a double whammy. Where not only did they not get to re-kick it, but then they had a penalty on top of it. You know, and it, that was two things. And then what happened after that? The Niners went down and scored a touchdown because they got the ball in the Eagles' forty-yard line. Like, so it, it, to me, the officiating wasn't great. I think they screwed things up from both sides. But to what Z, what Vito said, pick any other officiating crew, and that doesn't change the outcome of this game based off the circumstances of what happened. Um, and I'll go ahead and say this: I might be going out on limb here, and Scotty. I'm sorry. I thought it was officiated pretty well. And like from being there, I'll tell you what, like the rep, he took control of the game. Like when both players went out there, he got on his mic right away. He's like, both players to your sidelines right now. Like yeah, he was not having that. any of that shit. And like the first time anything like that happened, right. They let him fight in, in the bounds of the football game in the play. But every time something happened after that, like he had control of the game, which is one thing that, I mean, that could have been way nastier than what we yeah. saw at the end. And, and they, I thought they did a good job. And then, um, not only that, I thought they, they didn't make themselves, uh, and I know this is saying like they, they made themselves known, but I don't think they had like, to your point, Jeff, I saw one play where I was like that, 
I don't agree with that, you know, and yeah. maybe one from the Eagles again, the, the punt thing, but and, and to, to mention that hitting the wire, I'll tell you guys before we, we hopped on, it was wild because we were there. And then afterwards they dropped both cameras. There were two sky cams. One was Fox's one was just the stadiums. They dropped both of them and they're being checked on because um, the, the ball hit the wire and mm. they just didn't have a camera angle because, Oh, the sky cam is going to get that. Well, the other sky cam was low and that's why you have an extra four lines in there and it got hit. It's just, the other sky cams low. It's getting cool shots going near the line, right? Those awesome ones we love on TV. This is a, like an unfortunate side effect that we haven't seen in ever. And yeah. uh, like, you know, that, that's just sometimes how it goes, but uh, well, and, and you know, that's something that will get fixed immediately. Like, yeah. you, like, you know, that no matter what, like that is not going to happen again. Um, I do want to touch on what you said there, Vito, because I, I think it's a really, really good point. Um, that is such an under talked about part of officiating being able to have control of the game. Um, the Niners, like half the Niners roster ran onto the field when all yeah. that stuff with Trent yeah. Williams happened at the end of the game, the Eagles roster didn't do that. No, right? they, they had like a third, like not, not as much. They had like four. Oh, for, well, from the TV broadcast, cause the Niners were on the top it. half. Yeah. It looked like it looked like all like the whole Niners team came out and you didn't, couldn't really see any Eagles players coming out other than the ones that were obviously on the field and maybe a couple of extra people. But there was one moment in particular where it was like a wave of Niners, just like yeah, boom, no, came onto your screen. Um, and it's tough because I get their frustration, but they absolutely let their frustration get the better of them. Yeah. And they, they shot themselves. There was a lot of undisciplined football um, from the Niners in this game. In addition to, which again, I, I think we talked about, and I asked you guys this on Friday's pod, I said, which coach would you rather have in this matchup, right? And I'd said Monday through Friday, I'd probably rather have Kyle Shanahan. But on Sunday, I'd rather have Sirianni because Sirianni's become a brilliant game manager. And, and the way that that team has been coached up to, like the Devontae Smith play is a prime example, right? That play doesn't get challenged. The Eagles get the snap off. They end up scoring a touchdown off of it, so they steal seven points off of a, yeah. a, a missed call. And then on the next drive, the Niners have the ball. The Eagles throw the challenge flag right away on the strip sack on Purdy because on the TV angle, I thought it was in. Like I was pissed that uh, TJ Edwards didn't catch the ball. I was like, "How the hell did you not catch that? It should have been an interception." It was a fumble. It was a fumble the whole way. But I didn't notice that until the replay. Before I even had a chance to say, "Throw the flag." throw the flag. Like when they first showed the replay, Sirianni already had it out. And, yeah. and, and that was the a massive difference, obviously because of the, the Purdy injury, but because the Eagles were able to take that, they didn't score any points off the turnover, but it was a huge momentum swing in the game. I, uh, on that play too, I, I have, uh, I've thought, um, uh, perhaps incorrectly, but, uh, I've criticized him all year too, but McGlinchey, I swear to God, if that was collusion by you going to your hometown, well, you know that and, wasn't him, and right? letting Hassan Reddick go through, it oh wasn't. It wasn't Mike McGlinchey. He wasn't in on that play. No, it, no, it was the back. No, he was, but it was the backup tight end. Shanahan had a had the backup tight end one on one one on one with Reddick with Hassan oh, Reddick. Jesus. Now Hassan Reddick was split really wide, like almost like the old wide nine defenses yeah. that they used to run. So he was real. He had a long way to get there. But Purdy held on to the ball too long. He was dancing in the pocket. And yeah, he went one-on-one with the backup tight end. Like I it's Hassan Reddick. Whatever God damn you're it, doing Cal. on the field, you have to <laughs> yeah, you, damn it, Cal. You have to and send somebody to help with Hassan so, Reddick. You should never be in a situation where Hassan mm-hmm. Reddick is one-on-one with a backup tight end. 
Agreed. And when we, so we were in the stadium and when that hit happens, first of all, everyone thought the same thing. Everyone's like, Oh, right. They thought dropped a pick instantly. I, I, to, I, this is when it was early in the game, right? Yeah. This is the moment where like, you kind of earn the street cred of the people around you. I watched a lot of football, right? We all do like a lot more than probably the average person. This happened last week, right? To somebody, or maybe two weeks ago in the playoffs, they got hit and then their ball, their hand hit the ball forward. I knew that trajectory. I was like, that wasn't tipped. It was, it wasn't, and I described it. I was like, it was too soft. Like it didn't look like that. And I was like, throw the flag. And they're like, he didn't catch it. Everyone was like, he didn't catch it. I'm like, that's a fumble. Yeah, that is a that fumble. Was, that and was in the Niners Seahawks game. On the replay. Yeah. And then they started going it. And then, and then Sirianna, your point, like uh, probably like halfway through the replay, they show the first one, he challenged flags out. And it was so cool. It was one of those moments where like he does it. And then they show the replay. And then everyone like, uh, again, sorry to toot my own horn, but it was one of those uh, cool moments where you're in the stands and, and you're like, no, this happened. And then they challenge it. Everyone looks and, and then everyone kind of looked over and nodded like, all right, this guy, this guy knows the shit. You know what I mean? He's, yeah. he's a good one. And, uh, and then the, the rest of the game, there were a couple great guys, great fans in Philly, man. They're just no football. I mean, there's great fans in a lot of cities. I'm just saying that like, it was, uh, it's always enjoyable to be in those cities. Cause they're listen, Scotty, you, you know, LA, uh, not the same situation, uh, obviously like we know yeah. down there. So, uh, it was, it was really awesome. Um, but dude, crazy, uh, crazy way to your point that that second quarter ended that, you know, from that. And then the second quarter ends, um, with, with the, the late seven. And then after that, it was, that was kind of it. Right. I mean, at that point, everyone knew. Well, I, the, the big turning point then, well, yeah. So that, that first play was huge. The Eagles didn't score off of that drive. No. Um, and Brett Kern had a terrible punt, um, yeah. down cause it was short field should have been pinning them down with within the 20, at least kicks it into the end zone. So the Niners get the ball and that's when Josh Johnson comes down the field and they actually were able to move the ball. Okay. Um, I think they got two first downs and then the Eagles stopped them at midfield. And then that turned into the Eagles got the ball. Um, and they kind of went back and forth. The Eagles had three consecutive drives where they did not get, and everything is advertised that Niners defense, everything is advertised. However, and I saw Orlovsky do a breakdown of, of this this morning um, of, of what Jalen Hurts does to other teams, right? We've sung the praises of Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw as much as anybody, right? And, and as they deserve, they're fucking amazing. There were like six or seven plays in a row that Orlovsky showed on Get Up that right at that mesh point, yeah. neither Fred Warner or Dre, Glean, uh, Dre Greenlaw had taken a step yeah, from where the, I, they were in the original thing, which I, is, I noticed that so much. Like they didn't move at all. They were just staying on the line. The second they take a step, that's an X. And that's ultimately on, on all each touchdown run, particularly the, uh, the second one at the end of the first half. Uh, that, that was one of the plays that Orlovsky showed because that half a split second, right. Is enough or, or a second, however long it is, is enough for Kelsey to pull or Dickerson, whoever they're pulling, get through the hole and all of a sudden is now three yards upfield by the time the mesh point is, is either giving it or keeping it. So once Kelsey set, right. And this was, this was your dark horse player, Vito, right. Um, Kelsey gets inside the hole, seals off the lane. And then as he's already through the hole, taking a step up, Hertz gives the ball off to Sanders. At that point, Dre Greenlaw is the closest potential tackler. He's three yards away and has, uh, three yards away from Jason Kelsey and has to get through Jason Kelsey in order to do that. And there was a massive running lane for the Eagles. And that's just what's going to happen over time. That's why this offense is so tough because you can guess early and blow up the player, get him at the line of scrimmage. 
But the second that you start hesitating, which you kind of have to do, even the two fastest and two of the best linebackers in football couldn't do anything to catch back up to it. And that's why even, even as close as that game was, even through the first half, like I feel like Philly can hang 30 on anybody easy. Yeah. Like without even blinking. And they can, and they do it through the running game. I mean, if, yeah. if you look at the offensive numbers, well, it's sort of the Niners crazy. too, though. But that's like the difference is is what Jalen Hurts does to to create that space. Yeah. And and again, massive credit uh, Jordan Mailata, Jason Kelsey, and Lane Johnson. Zero QB pressures, zero QB hits, zero sacks given up. And and yeah, the only the one snap. was on that the other side when Bosa yeah. got to uh, which I to think Jalen was, Hurts around the on, goal line, which was on Sayamalu. Yeah. Um, and but yeah, Lane Johnson, who apparently re-injured the groin, his groin this past week, he still like balled out. Like every matchup against um, Nick Bosa, Brian Baldinger did an awesome Baldy breakdown of Jordan Mailata putting Nick Bosa into the fucking dirt, like one on one into the dirt, pancaked on his back, and then he's just laying on top of Nick Bosa. Um, like it's just so tough with this Eagles offensive they, line. They were showing too a lot <clears throat> on the broadcast. Not just we all know the the talent of the the line, but they don't get talked about as much um, somehow. But their their positioning on on run uh, run blocking was insane. They were getting leverage on every freaking run yeah. uh, on the on the Niners defensive line. It was it was well, nuts. And that's what stood out to me rewatching the game was just the the even like Trent Williams, like Josh Sweat was bending the outside and then bull rushing Trent Williams back into the pocket. Yeah. Um, there was a there was a sack on on Josh Johnson where like Josh Sweat's like not a particularly huge, he's like tall I think he's like six three but he's not like crazy big thick kind of guy he's speed and sneaky strong because he got that leverage got that outside got underneath Trent Williams and just bull rushed him back into the pocket which is borderline impossible to do in the NFL mm-hmm. if you're talking about one guy and the overarching thing that kept showing up on both sides of the ball which is what I had said going in when Vito asked what's the one thing you're confident that your team's going to be able to do was the Eagles dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. They went out in that five front, that bare front to stop the running game. And I mean, taking a, take away the one, you know, 30 yard touchdown run from McCaffrey, he was 13 carries for 50 yards. Right. And, yeah. and that's when, and again, of course, second half, they couldn't throw the ball. The Eagles knew it was coming. It was going to be that every time, but I, I don't know, man, like it, people are going to say again, it's easy to take things away from this win. It's easy to say all this other stuff. I think it was a closer game, particularly in the first half. The Josh Johnson fumble right after, and that was the biggest drive of the game, was the one that the Eagles scored to put them up 14-7. to seven. They got the ball back with eight minutes and 30 seconds. They just had three consecutive three and outs, including that sack neck near the goal line that was almost mm-hmm. a safety. So three consecutive plays. Which I don't know how Jalen Hurts got out of there, by the way. Yeah, just freak <laughs> strength. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> Um, so it was three consecutive drives of going three and out. And then they come out eight and a half minutes. They pass the ball once and then went run, 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 like literally nine straight running plays because they were just, they were able to constantly pick it up, including going forward on fourth and one on their, on their own 35 with the, again, the unstoppable play with Jalen Hurts just pushing up the middle. Yeah. Um, And, and with how good the trenches were like that drive, they milked off six minutes, score the touchdown, get the ball back. And then yeah. Uh, Hassan Reddick. And also there was that play Hassan Reddick. I'm not totally sure 
if he didn't actually take that ball from Josh Johnson? I thought he did. He, I thought I think so he, too. Yeah. I, I, th- was I didn't so understand close. why I didn't challenge that. I thought that was, it gonna... was, it was too close. It, it was too close to not do it. it. Yeah. They said he was down already before yeah, he ripped it out. It was like the ball was starting <clears throat> to move as his butt was hitting the ground. Yeah. Um, and then his and, head. And, yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> no, that, that was a couple of plays Jesus. later. That was when the Dominican Sioux got after him, but um, I don't know, but I'll say this too. Then I watching the, just to think ahead a little bit, watching the night game, right. The Eagles have a better defense than both of those teams. The Bengals did a really good job of slowing down Patrick Mahomes. I mean, was it 23 points? I mean, holding the, the Chiefs to 23 points with all the extra injuries they have, I'm starting to feel pretty good because I think the Chiefs are going to have to score at least 30. Because, again, this this Niners defense is scary to go up against. No one on the Chiefs scares me defensively the way that playing this team scares you defensively. So huge credit to the Niners because they are a fucking awesome team. And it sucks the way that it, it ultimately played out. But I agree. I think uh... – so I, I got I got a stat for you boys. Um, I, you guys know I love NFL history. So there is a awesome stat about teams that have won by twenty one plus in divisional and conference championships. Ooh. There are four teams that have done that before, and obviously the Eagles just did it this year. The four teams are the 1978 Steelers, widely regarded as one of the best teams of all time, number three <laughs> in the America's Game Countdown. The 85 Bears. I think I don't have to even talk about that. I'm seeing a trend here. <laughs> and then the, the last two are the 1988 and 89 San Francisco 49ers. Yes. All those teams won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. All of those teams were a part of a dynasty, which is kind of crazy, right? All of those teams are part of a massive uh, wave of talent. Now the bears only won one super bowl, but yeah. obviously they were, they changed the game and how they play defense. Yeah. Um, so just obviously I don't think any of them had a, maybe a quarterback go out. I have to check, but either way, um, incredible performance by the Eagles. And uh, this team is special. And to everyone, to your point saying all oh, the easy road, all that stuff, man, you can look that every year. We'll hear that every year. Guess what? No, one's going to give a shit February, middle of February when we get this super bowl underway. It won't yeah. matter. Yeah, no, it you, won't matter right. if you're one of the last two standing because that's not easy to do regardless of how, no. quote-unquote, easy the road is. Well, like, and I, I think back to – also, I want to make sure I got that stat right. So you said winning by 21-plus in the divisional and conference rounds? Correct. Wow. So And the Eagles fall under that category. Yeah. It's, wow. Um, that is oh, – We did it twice. Um, <laughs> yeah, you did. Uh, Montana, but, baby. But to that point, like, <laughs> I think the most under-talked about crazy thing about the 2017 Eagles team – was the play against the Falcons when Keanu it, uh, Foles sailed a pass over the middle of the field and Keanu Neal jumped up and it hit him in the kneecap and then sprung back 15 yards and then Torrey Smith just happened to be right there. It's still one of the craziest plays of all time, but A, that should have been an easy interception, and B, the fact that it hit off his knee and then shot backwards 10 yards <laughs> and hit Torrey Smith in the hands for a big first down, you know, like – Little stuff like that, or even the last play of that game where it was Matt Ryan to Julio Jones in the back corner of the end zone. Julio Jones is open. He jumps up and he just mistimed the ball, right? And that would have yeah. been the last play. Which and then, he never does. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. Philly, Philly would have never happened, you know. So and so, yeah, man, like that's the the sort of stuff that you know the unwritten stuff, the unheralded stuff that that you talk about after you've you've 
climbed the mountain and you're like, man, if that break didn't happen, the Devontae Smith not catch is is going to be a good example of this. I absolutely. Like. And because I, that's a fourth down and we get the ball back and yeah, it's not seven to nothing. It's the opening drive of the game, too. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, a fluky stuff like that happens in every championship run in every sport. And and yep. that's why we always say it's like it's not enough to be really, really good. It's, it's not enough to 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 not make mistakes or to not take penalties. You there's so much luck involved. Yeah. And a big part of that is the Eagles had 22 of 22 starters playing in this conference championship game. That is insane. And the Eagles have changed a lot of how they have been treating injuries because there was a stretch there from like 20, like right after the Super Bowl until last season, where they were the most injured team in football. Right. And it was just massive. And like so far, the only season ending injury we had was in week one with Derek Barnett. He tore his ACL in week one. Like other, but other than that, there's not a single like long-term season ending injury that we've had. And the Eagles are full. I mean, Avante Maddox coming in, like was a big part of that game yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, I'm just getting, I'm really excited. Like I think the Eagles match up really well. I'm t- obviously you're terrified of Mahomes. Um, the, no. the line, the line started off at uh, Kansas city two and a half and it has now switched to Eagles two and a half. Oh, um, get on that. So <laughs> within, yeah, I was going to say, well, within, you know, about five hours, the line switched five points from, uh, from the time the game wild. F- first, uh, the, the game was set there. Um, I mean, again, and, and look, I'm not trying to, I don't want to rub it in because I do feel for you, Scotty, but I just, you, you wake up and these moments are so few and far between, you know, and when you're in these moments, you're just like, shit, man, like I, there's just nothing better. And I'm worried about some stuff like Jalen didn't look great yesterday throwing the football. Um, the throw to Devonte was a little long. They had AJ Brown wide open on the deep ball. He overthrew him by five yards. He underthrew the deep ball that Devonte almost went up and caught. Um, but I also think of that was a huge product of what San Francisco was doing defensively. I mean, they were bringing everybody to the front of the line and, mm-hmm. and basically saying, we're going to blitz the shit out of Jalen Hurts, which yeah. is the way to typically beat him. So they, and they got pressure in. And, and the other thing I'll say overall, like we talked about the run game being, you know, critical and they, they ran the ball over 40 sometimes like 42, 43 times. Yeah. And, uh, they threw the ball 25 times it, both these teams. If you're going to, well, you know, San Fran obviously ran more than they threw, but for other reasons. And I think if you're able to dominate the ground and, and have the amount of carries and early on it, you know, it wasn't really working. And we always, obviously, right boys, we broke this down and I'm like, man, we got to attack the weak side corner. We got to go after some of these guys and, you know, credit to the Eagles for being like, nah, we're, we're going to stick with this run thing. And, uh, and it worked out. <laughs> and I, th- I think that's a testament to, uh, you know, what, what your key to the game was, Jeff, was win the line of scrimmage because that to me is the model. Like that, if there's a weakness on the designers team, it's that right. Yeah. Maybe not on defensive line, but like our offensive line is good on one side, mediocre on the other and doesn't have a ton of depth like the Eagles do. Yeah. Um, and so that, that and the secondary, which are the two things that you're far and away better than us at, I think is where the, the Niners apart from their quarterback situation uh, which we'll see how that plays out. But um, I think well, those are the two areas that we have to focus on. And obviously that's Fred, like Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw are fucking incredible, but their linebacker position has also sort of become like what the running back position is, which is it's, it's not that it's not important. You know, you can't you get window. away with Alex yeah. Singleton there, but if you have a, you know, Kazir white and TJ Edwards, you know, really solid 
you know, cheaper guys that you can find that can make some plays here and there and can tackle. That's pretty much all you need. You know, it's, it's a, such a luxury to have a Fred Warner, but I mean, and that's an Andy Reed philosophy. Powell Roseman learned that from Andy Reed, right. Building through the offensive and defensive lines. And what's interesting is like this chiefs team. Yes. Chris Jones is a stud. Frank Clark had a good game, but going up against that Bengals offensive line, like that, that Bengals offensive line is what we thought they were going to look like against Buffalo. Yeah. Now they got better as the site. I mean, they had four sacks in the first like quarter and a half and then only had one <laughs> for the rest of the game. So like they definitely adjusted, but it also limited a lot of what Cincinnati could do moving to football. They couldn't run the ball because they couldn't get any sort of push. Uh, and, and that was a huge part of it too. But the offensive line, pretty good for Kansas City. Uh, there's some weaknesses and going up against a, a much better unit in the Eagles defensive line. I think they'll struggle. And the offensive line for the Eagles, I'm not worried about at all going up against the Chiefs. So, I mean, again, the trenches, we, I say it, we say it every single year, right? The team that's the best in the trenches is, is more often than not the team that's going to end up winning the Super Bowl. And it's especially true for in the in the Niners case, like George Kittle isn't getting any younger, so he's going to be 29 and that that's going to be an issue, but you spent how much um, total I'm, I'm thinking like how much of important assets to get Christian McCaffrey. Like that to me is like the, the, it's not only the, always the biggest part of, of how you win in the NFL, but like when you invest that much capital in one guy yeah. uh, and you want to keep him around because he's a superstar, you want to keep him healthy because he's a superstar. So. Uh, yeah, that's that's what it has but, to be. But look at the, what the Eagles did to build this offensive line, right? Jason Kelsey drafted in 2011, Lane Johnson <laughs> drafted in 2013. That's right? the thing. Kelsey was it's drafted. Like, well, but not only those two guys. Like Kelsey was like a fifth round pick. Lane Johnson was a first round pick, like a true like top. I think it was like number ten overall. He was top fifteen pick. Uh, but then it's Isaac Sayamalo, who was middle to late round draft pick. It was Landon Dickerson, who was a like a five-star, one of the best offensive linemen in football when he was at Alabama, tears his ACL at the end of his, his uh, last season at Alabama. Then the Eagles, he falls to the second round. The Eagles say, hey, we know he's hurt, but he's going to be really good when he gets yeah. back. They do that. And then the biggest one of them all is Jordan Mailata, right? Drafting, but none of that matters if the Eagles don't have Jeff Stoutland, who's the best position coach in all of football. Yeah, what, and what that's he's the, done with Jordan Mailata and the rest of this team and designing the running game is absurd. Yeah, that's the thing is like you have to find the the right pieces in the in the coaching room, but then like that takes time, man. Mm -hmm. That offensive line was built over how many years? You just listed off. Yeah, right. And on top of that, you got to make sure that uh, you you get kind of lucky with like a guy like Trent Williams is like oh all of the, like one of the best offensive linemen in the league just signed with our team. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, so that that's yeah. I'm with you, man. That takes time, and and we're running out of it with uh, with uh, some of the superstar guys that uh, that we have in the locker. Well, then that would make sense for Tom Brady to take a trip over to his hometown. Hey, he, he doesn't got a lot of time left either, but in that offense, <clears throat> I think he'd be able to do some damage. Uh, or, hey, maybe Brock Purdy too, right? Because you can't take anything away from what Brock Purdy's done. You, you really can't. He's He's been phenomenal, and, and a huge credit uh, to, to yep. him and Shanahan. But this is now a thing with Shanahan. It just is like yeah. the coaching oh, yeah. stuff. And this one won't get held against them that way because in the same light, you know, we'll say, oh, well, you know, the Eagles, you know, oh, they didn't actually deserve it or whatever, blah, blah, blah. 
people will say the same thing about the Niners and say, oh, well, the Niners easily could have won the Super Bowl that year. They just, you know, had that fluke injury happening in, in, in the first quarter. So this probably won't get held against Kyle Shanahan as much as it probably should. Yeah. I feel like Shanahan probably does deserve some blame for the way that this game was managed. Um, but the, then again, there's no one better Monday through Friday in the NFL right now than Kyle Shanahan. And D'Amico Ryans, like huge shout out to that guy. Because yeah. the game plan they had. He's going to be a good had, head coach somewhere. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Um, but I don't know, man. It's awesome. True. Bird, birds are in the Super Bowl. True to my word, I will be rooting for the Philadelphia Eagles in two weeks. Yes, sir. That's what we like. This is a pro Eagles podcast. Uh, and it's going to be very, uh, it's going to be a long and short two weeks. I'm nervous. I'm anxious already, but I'm also like, I just want to, <laughs> I get told there, you, man. I might, I might just do it Buy a grant Jersey with the Super Bowl patch on it. Let's go, baby. That'd be Let's sick. go. That'd be sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how awesome is that, man? Dude, I it's, know. <laughs> and this, can I, can I add one last thing here? Cause it, it's, I know we've spent a lot of time on this, but Jalen hurts, man. Like the story of Jalen hurts is for as good as the Mr. Irrelevant story was, I think the true like Mr. Irrelevant story here is Jalen Hurts. Like it, going, the transformation in three years has been as incredible. A tr- as a truth, not just I go, I'm going back to college, right? When he yeah. was when he was starting at Alabama, right? He was this crazy strong. Everyone talked about he could squat a ton. Wasn't really good thrower. They were running a very like old school kind of offense with him because he couldn't throw the ball that well. He had the long hair. He was a freak athlete. But I remember saying when he was a freshman at Alabama, like, there's no way this kid's ever going to play in the NFL and be good. There's just no way. He just doesn't it's, – it's not in his cards. And I said that, right? And then he goes on, gets benched in the national championship game, which is very well known, the Tua thing. And in the moment, right, he was the first one on the field hugging Tua when Tua threw that chance. Like, so many people would have taken that to heart. So many people would have ruined them forever. And Jalen Hurts used it as a chance to get better. The next year, he goes to Oklahoma. He plays with Lincoln Riley, develops as a better passer. But even then, it was – and I had a, an old colleague of mine who works for ESPN and does draft stuff and is very, very smart tell me Jalen Hurts is the biggest fraud in college football when he was at Oklahoma, <laughs> and he was putting up these numbers. He's like, great kid, great kid. He's the biggest fraud because it was all of Lincoln Riley's – you know, it was Lincoln Riley's offense, and it was the, it was the wide receivers, and it, it couldn't be Jalen. But it was. Like, Jalen was a huge part of that. Then he goes to the draft – ends up getting drafted to the Eagles. The Eagles hated him. He even said that after the game yeah. yesterday, which was a, he was like, most people probably didn't want me here. Like nobody thought, like, I, and I was like, as sad as that is to say, it's that true. is true. Like the, I was furious at the draft pick. I remember a screaming at the were, TV. Man. Yeah. I hated that pick. And then that turns into, well, it's Carson's team. So we still have to support Carson. He sits behind Carson, does his thing. He has that saints game at the end of 2020, and it's like, all right, well, what's going to happen? They move on from, from Carson. And then, you know, the last two years has just been an unbelievable journey to now he's 16 and one as a starter this year. He, uh, and, and not include, if you include the playoff game against Tampa Bay last year, he's 21 and two in his last 23 starts. Jesus, That's pretty good. I mean, and yet he still is not getting, I, I don't think as much, love as he probably deserves because it's just it's an unbelievable story and a cool graphic i saw today too a bit of a a side note was that this is the first super bowl that will have two black starting quarterbacks which is awesome yeah yeah youngest combo of quarterback. like it's it's everything's great dude it's new it's fresh this is what 
this is what uh i don't know this is gonna be so fucking fun i was gonna say it's gonna be a fun couple weeks you know going over it on this podcast but i mean the storylines are great the kelsey brothers andy reed versus old team um it's it's gonna be fun i i can't wait um hell of a season from the niners um hell of a coaching job hell of a story uh luck didn't fall in their way and again that's as much of anything when it comes to these championship runs and it sucks um but the eagles are deserving representative of yes. the nfc and uh, agreed and i think they have a good that, chance the niners to- fan yeah <laughs> and i think they have a, a really good chance to bring uh bring the lombardi uh, trophy home to philly and which should be awesome so all right let's take a quick break we have a whole nother game we got to break down we'll talk about the Bengals and chiefs on the other side uh so stick around we'll be right back in a sec All right, let's do this. Coming in in three, two, one. All right, so the night game, Bengals, Chiefs, uh, another it – was, it was a very good game. Uh, it was a very entertaining game. Uh, and it was two teams that are battling a lot of injuries with stud quarterbacks uh, who, who were finding ways to get them there. Uh, a couple of weird bounces here and there, and then some – less than desirable penalties that were called uh, that unfortunately did kind of shape the way that this game ended. Some of which were legitimate, um, namely the, the late hit Joseph Asai pushing Mahomes out of bounds. It looked worse than it was because their feet got tangled up too. So like the tripping aspect of it, plus like right after he had his hand on him. So it's like it, it the outcome of that play looked way worse than what I think would have happened if they just yeah. tripped. But it wasn't I th- yeah, enough. I think it was just like a mental mistake thing because the, yeah. the action of like pushing him out, you can tell he was in the middle of it was like, oh, crap, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And then their <laughs> teeth get or their teeth, geez, their feet get uh, caught up. And then Mahomes goes sliding and flying into the bench and Asai yeah. goes flying. Academy into the bench. award, too. And it's just it's just one of those things where it's Please, like Mahomes <laughs> get out of here. The uh, like the refs are going to call that a hundred times out of a hundred, you know, it's like they're never going to not call that. So it's, I, I get the frustration, especially from Bengals fans and the situation behind it. That poor kid, I, I can't even imagine what he's going through today. It's got to be rough. Um, but before all that, I did think it was a good game, it was an entertaining game against two teams that have had some really, really great battles, uh, that line up well. But ultimately, I think this came down to a couple, a couple of key factors, and uh, particularly for, for Cincinnati. The offensive line injuries finally caught up to them, right? Um, in the snow games, I, uh, offensive linemen, I've heard say this before too, prefer playing, not prefer, but enjoy playing in the snow because they feel like as the aggressor, the defensive lines typically, they, they're a little less sturdy, right, with keeping their feet in the ground, get a little more um, variance in terms of uh, the confidence, how, how much they can come after you, right? So feel like you can get a little yeah. bit of an advantage, like, this, the legendary snow game in Philly against the Lions, like LaShawn McCoy ran for 200 yards in that game, right? Yeah, it's, because it's the fact that you know where you're going and the defense has to react. And to your point, it's a lot harder to react when you can't get, have your feet. <laughs> exactly. And so, and so we saw the fact that they had, you know, third stringers. They had two different third stringers playing in this game uh, going up against Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Uh, m- made a huge, huge difference. Uh, they will not have that same luxury two weeks from now, um, but we will uh, – well, obviously we'll get there in, in due time. Uh, but that also affected a few things, right? The, the Bengals weren't able to run the ball really at all. Um, Joe Burrow was the leading rusher for both teams in this game with four carries for 30 yards. 
Uh, Joe Mixon, eight carries for 19 yards. Samaji Pirine, five carries for 22. He did have that touchdown at the goal line, um, but that was, again, like a one-yard touchdown run. Uh, Pacheco did a bunch of stuff in the, in the receiving game and broke off a, you know, a couple of big plays. But, I mean, Mahomes, it was Pacheco with 26 yards on 10 carries, and then Mahomes with eight. Like, there was just – there was no rushing uh, – there's no offensive line dominance really in this game. Uh, the defensive lines of both teams really kind of set the tone, uh, which then, as we kind of would expect, put the onus on two brilliant, awesome quarterbacks. And I just said this to you guys in the break, but Patrick Mahomes, I, I am curious if we'll ever find out if they misdiagnosed the high ankle sprain and whether it was just a regular sprain or it wasn't yeah. as bad as we thought. Um, because for him to be out here a, a week removed from uh, a high ankle sprain and practicing on it all week, and a couple of times you could tell he tweaked it and was kind of hobbling and hopping on one foot. There was one play. He was kind of going towards the sideline, trying to get out of a play that it's something acted up on him, but nonetheless, that's a tough motherfucker. And, and we'll, you know, we'll sing the praises of Lane Johnson who, you know, back-to-back games on this unbelievable run with the torn, torn groin, but that's an offensive lineman. So it's easy to, to shout out the offensive lineman for being tough guys. Right. Mahomes, the pretty boy quarterback in the commercials and everything. No, that's a tough motherfucker, man. For him to go out there, battle like that on one foot and deliver some laser beams, uh, the touchdown pass to Marquez Valdez-Scantling in the second half in particular was just vintage Mahomes. Like, I have more horsepower than anyone else in the league. I'm fitting this in a window that nobody else could possibly do. My hand hurt watching that catch because i was like the amount of zip he had to put on that to get it through that window was like oh god um but the Bengals did a really good job in this game defensively like they did and they had a chance two and a half minutes left joe burrows got the ball three timeouts and the two minute warning and they go on this drive and they stall out right um and they end up punting the ball away and uh was it yeah it was no they they went down and kicked the field goal to uh to tie the game that then turns into the kickoff um returns it all the way back to the 50 giving the chiefs really really good field position in the end um i want to make sure i have that now and now I'm, i had all these these notes and stuff from re-watching the games but either way a crucial special teams return late in the game um yeah no it was a punt yeah so the there's an interception from the Bengals. the chiefs got the ball tried to go because it was tied 2020 at this point Kansas City, two, uh, two sets of series. Then they punt the ball back, and then that's when the Bengals had the ball. Two and a half minutes left. Uh, they end up punting the ball back to Kansas City with uh, 36 seconds left. Or, sorry, 33 seconds left. And the punt return, uh, Sky Moore, the rookie, yeah. takes it all the way back out to the 50-yard line. And uh, from there, there's a couple of plays, and then the big um, – the big penalty there on Osai puts Kansas city into field goal range. They kick it. And, uh, and that's game set match. Uh, but it was a couple of fluky plays, right? Like the, the first interception from burrow, uh, was, a, was a bad throw. The second one though, I, that one got tipped up in the air. He was trying to make a throw into a tight window and give, uh, I think it was T Higgins, give him a chance to, to make a play on the ball. It gets popped up and falls right into the hands of a Kansas city defender. He did throw into double coverage. So, you know, be, you know, we're not double coverage or safety help over the top. So there were two guys in the area. Um, but for the most part, like this was a tough game that came back and forth. And then obviously the officiating stuff uh, kind of factored into it as well. 
I think for me, um, and again, I was, I was kind of running and gunning around town. So we were following as much as we could. And then I caught the end of it, uh, watched, watched the end, but I do think, uh, um, like, we, you know, we pull it up on phone at, at dinner, which is hilarious, right? Like a, a nice place. But um, uh, so fun fact is that Grant's, uh, the Calcaterra family are, are friends of the pods. They, uh, um, they're Bengals fans. They grew up in Cincinnati. They had season tickets to like two years ago. They would sell and still go to a lot. So they're watching and it was so mixed emotions for them. So like if, if the Bengals win, it'll be the first game we ever root against them because their son's on the Eagles or <laughs> they're sad because the Bengals, like, it was a weird thing. Best case scenario, obviously the Eagles go, but just watching this. So we're watching on the phone and, and everything happened. But for me, like as we're getting updates before that moment um, with, you know, Mahomes driving down and getting that field goal and everything, but um, getting into that field goal range with that out of bounds hit, it was one of those things where the updates as they were coming, I was just shocked that like, to your point, the Bengals were just still in it. Chiefs never could get away from them. You know what I mean? Really? They always kept it close. Um, great plays by the Bengals defense really outperformed. I think what even we thought, which I was pretty high on them, but that was an incredible defensive performance. And uh, I, I was just shocked that, you know, their ability to keep this game close is why the Bengals even had a chance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it could yeah. have gotten out of hand. Yeah. Well, for me, like the, the ability for the Bengals defensive line to control the the line to the point where Kansas city didn't even want to run. And I think that was a huge key for them was like, all right, if we dominate this, eliminate the run entirely. And we can focus on, on Kelsey and, and the receiving core and, and Pacheco receiving the ball out of the backfield, which um, even he ended up having a big game in the, in the receiving game. But like, even especially going to the second half and the homes is down three receivers or down two, three receivers because of injuries. And so it's like, I, the, all the credit like in the world has to go to, especially like you said, Jeff playing on one foot uh, like man, what, what an in, intense competitor. And, and just, I, I, I say this a lot, uh, especially the older I've gotten, but like as much as I hate uh, the fact that the chiefs continue to be good, um, especially after they beat my team in the super bowl, you have to just admire that man, because it's it's not worth your time to sit there and hate what you're watching because yeah. it's it's really like spectacular and you God knows we might not see it um, for the rest of our lifetimes anything like that so um, especially in the Super Bowl with the with the matchup of those two quarterbacks I'm I'm stoked for that part um, but yeah man that that's that's an insane job uh, that Mahomes did yeah I mean and doing it all on one leg too I mean he's he, he, this is the thing with Mahomes too. It's like, he may not look great in certain games, especially like being banged up. I felt, I felt like the same thing, um, you know, last week against Jacksonville, like when he came back injured in the second half, like he wasn't great. There were definitely moments where you're like, he's hurting. He can't scramble for the first round. They punted way more in the last two games than I can ever remember them punting mm -hmm. in a playoff game. Um, but uh, the thing with Mahomes that makes him so special is that in the clutch, in the clutch moments, right. When you need him to make a big throw or answer a touchdown drive, he always does. Like, he yeah. always makes that play and will grit through it and, and deliver a throw that again, no one else in the NFL or maybe one or two other people in the NFL can make because he's just that good. And he knows when he has to turn it on. And Joey did that too, man, the whole game. And I think you nailed it Vito and the preview at the end of last week, when you said, 
you know, you want to compare AFC quarterback rivalries from from old. Like this is the 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 Brady Manning. This is like Mahomes and, and Burrow. I think is is the closer equivalent to that. And it, it was no different in this game either. Yeah, I, there was a, there were a lot of um, little things here. Right, this game could have gone e- either way. Kansas City nutting up and playing really really good defensive football was huge. If the Bengals are healthy on the offensive line, I think this game looks a lot different, right? Because, I mean, T. Higgins and Jamar Chase were making huge plays. The fourth and sixth play, the throw to Jamar Chase down to the five right before they scored the touchdown mm-hmm. to tie, like that game was – that throw was ridiculously ballsy and throwing into double coverage and just hoping that your guy can go up and make a play on fourth and six and you're throwing it, you know, 40 yards down to the four-yard line. I mean, that play was huge, and Jamar Chase does what, like, stars do. Um, But the thing was, is, like, and that's why I think this game felt so even, was, like, the injury thing, both teams were dealing with it. Um, For the Bengals, it was more coming into the game. You you know, they lost Tyler Boyd uh, early in the second half. He had a quad injury. But during this game, the Chiefs lost their number one cornerback, Legereus Sneed, to a concussion, their best linebacker in Willie Gay from shoulder. Kadarius Tony hurt his ankle. McCole Hardman, who was already kind of dinged up, but wasn't sure if he was going to play in this game, ended up playing, re-aggravated. It's a pelvis injury. I'm mm-hmm. not fully sure exactly what that is. And then Juju. The hip. Oh, yeah. I guess it's around, yeah, that, that area. Uh, but, yeah, and then they lost Juju. So we're seeing Mahomes do this, and he's throwing to – the most like Sky Moore getting, you know, first team, you yeah. know, starting X receivers uh, looks. Uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling looking like he's the second coming of, you know, Jerry Rice. Uh, Pacheco out of the backfield. McKinnon had a big catch out of the backfield. And then you have these like Marcus Kemp making a huge third down catch for 13 yards. Uh, so, uh, and, and that health thing is going to be really important going into this next game. Cause yeah, you have Mahomes and you have Kelsey. And Kelsey had seven for 78 in the touchdown. But uh, we said like, Valdez Scantling is not going to be able to run free like that against this Eagles defense, not this secondary. And even Kelsey will be limited because the way the the Eagles defense kind of operates is they kind of want to keep everything in front of them, right? Like they won't get beat over the top. So Mahomes deep ball, pushing the ball downfield. You can't do that against this Eagles secondary. It's got to be those short throws, which they can do with Pacheco and McKinnon. But if the Eagles are flying around and C.J. Gardner-Johnson's out there making tackles, it's going to be really hard. And then you're, you're sprinkling in there that, yeah, it's going to be Sky Moore and, you know, however healthy Kadarius Tony and Juju are, if they're healthy enough to come back. But then defensively, like, I, I think this Eagles offense is going to be able to hang 30 on the Chiefs pretty easily. The Chiefs are going to have to be able to match that. And I, I don't see that happening with the way that this offense is looking right now. Um, but obviously getting back to this game, both teams had injuries. Uh, in different parts of the field. It was hurting Kansas City in the passing game um, because Cincinnati was able to throw the ball against that secondary without uh, Legereus Sneed there pretty comfortably, pretty routinely. And I, I don't know. I just I don't see how either of these teams – I mean, if you don't have Legereus Sneed or Willie Gay in that game, uh, that's going to be a really, really tough game to win against this Eagles team in particular for Kansas City. But that, like I just said, you have the magic man. You have Patrick Mahomes, the guy who just always shows up in the biggest moments when you need him to. Uh, and I think it's going to be a really, really interesting game to watch. Yeah, I think for me, too, like the defensive line, we talked about it, right, Chris Jones, but uh, especially Frank Clark getting in there, Carl Loftus had a couple of pressures. They actually 
they did a decent job. Uh, and like you said, it's the, my, my thought, I guess is, and you, you let off with this Jeff. So I kind of know where you stand is like, was this the Bengals offense just getting back to what they thought they, they thought they were, or is this the chiefs defense stepping up? Cause it's almost the super bowl, right? This is like, these veterans seem to do this, right? Guys who were thinking, oh, they're kind of, they might be done. And then, especially on the pass rushing side, seeing what Frank Clark was doing, it was just different, right? Than kind of what we had seen all year. Yeah, I I think it's going to be a little bit of both. You know, I I obviously Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Chris Jones had his first two playoff sacks ever. He had never had a playoff sack. (laughs) That's crazy. He had two in this game. And then Frank Clark's sack moved him to number three all time in playoff sacks, which is crazy. When you think about it, yeah. um, I saw like, a stat about Chris Jones that he is top. He is the top double team player, right in the NFL, and he was third hmm. in uh, pressure from the defensive tackle position. Which, hmm. like, combining those two stats is absolutely insane. Oh, yeah. I mean, Chris Jones is <laughs> it's like a, Aaron Donald level. They dude. said it's literally like, Aaron Donald usually dominates those stats, and yeah. it's him this year. <laughs> yeah, and he's gonna have a really tough test, man. He's gonna get Kelsey. He's gonna get Landon Dickerson. He's gonna yeah. get Isaac Sayamalu. If they try to move him on the outside, then it's gonna be Lane Johnson and, and Jordan Mailata. Like no matter what they do, and again, this zone read offense is so tough on interior defensive linemen in particular because they you can just game plan them out of out of games entirely. Like it's it's you have to not only be bull rushing your ass off, ripping through, trying to get to the quarterback, but by the time you also have to be looking to see where the hell the play is going. Cause you can't just, you know, interior defensive linemen are trained to follow where the flow is going to. Right. Yeah. Um, and the really good ones can peek into the backfield, rip off a play like Donald, like Chris Jones can do and then make plays. But when you're going up against an offensive line, this good, it's going to be, it's going to be really, really tight. Uh, Cincinnati, I thought, played a, a really solid game. It's hard to beat a team as good as Kansas City and a coach like Andy Reid four times in a row. You know, like like that was part of my rationale, right? And I took uh, Kansas City minus two and a half going into that game because I I just had a hunch. I just my, my gut feeling was, again, Mahomes would make big plays when they needed to. But also, we would see eventually the Chiefs finding a way to pull off a win. I just, I, I, it was hard for me to believe that they could do it three times in a row because the schematic yeah. game plan was different. Spagnola was able, I mean, again, looking at the line of scrimmage, were you watching that game today? The front four of, of Kansas city was able to get into uh, Joe Burrow's face the entire game. Cincinnati was able to do a very similar thing with Mahomes, um, And they sent a lot of pressure. They, they were sending more blitzes. Right. Uh, and I would expect to see Spagnola try to do the same thing next uh, two weeks from now in the Super Bowl. Um, but both quarterbacks were facing pressure. Uh, Burrow kept it on a keeper on a third down play, which was a huge first down for them. He took it for like 15 yards. It's going to be really, t- I'm, I'm so fascinated to see what this next, what the Super Bowl is going to look like. Um, obviously people are upset with the officiating in this game too. It's not something I really want to harp on much. You know, I, yeah, I, well, that third nine debacle was, was pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. So how, how did that break down live? Cause I, Right. I, I got this all from social media as I'm trying to get through city hall and broad street. So, so give me the breakdown here, Scotty, what, what went down here live? So um, if, if I recall correctly, it was, there was a third and nine play um, that had been blown dead, but nobody heard the, um, the play get blown dead or the, the whistle from the official. Cause it was so loud in the stadium that play ended up only going for four yards um, which would have brought up a, a fourth and uh, fourth and five, likely mm-hmm. a punt by Kansas City. Um, 
but the officials said that the play had been blown dead, even though it was done and completed. And we're going to redo um, the third and nine play. They, they do. They, they pick up the, why it was blown dead. Was it like a false start? Like what? No, it was a clock issue. So like the, the play clock had started um, without the referee signaling that it should have. It was play and game or, or one of the two, Jeff, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, no, I think, I think it was play and game. Yeah. So the play went off regardless um, of the fact that the clock had got started when it shouldn't have. And uh, the refs were like, tried to blow it dead, said it it wasn't fair and they redid it. And the chiefs ended up picking up the third down uh, or the first down uh, on, uh-huh. on the third and nine play. So uh-huh. In the end, I think it wouldn't have mattered because they it ended up not being a scoring drive uh, for the Chiefs, uh, which is one of the things I have gone back to today when like talking about this with people. I'm like, yeah. it you it, it it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. I guess in the referee's situation, because like if the if the Chiefs go down and score, Bengals fans are are livid. If the mm-hmm. if you don't call it correctly and consistently, um, even though that was like a, a weird one off fluke thing. Um, then everyone's upset at you. So like, you know, yeah, yeah, there was that, the, there was a couple of holding calls that were just really, that's what I always hate about holding because it's such an impactful penalty that also happens on every single play. Yeah. You know, like there's offensive holding every single play. Yeah. You know, and so when they pick and choose times to call them, obviously when it's egregious, you have to call it. But the yeah, fact yeah. that it's 10 yards, I've, I mean, I've said this fierce offensive holding should be a five yard penalty. There's if defensive holding is five yards and the automatic first down uh, offensive holding should be five yard penalty. Yeah. I, I, I agree. Yeah. I think they both should be five and I think it shouldn't be an auto first. I would love yeah. to see defenses like get a little more aggressive, but uh, we all know the league wants offense. So that's not, yeah. happening. <laughs> but seven, uh, I think there were, there were nine penalties for 71 yards on Cincinnati, only four penalties on the chiefs all night. Um, and the one that most people have said about are the last is the last one that like, that was the right call. Like it sucks. Yeah. And Osai should know better not to do that. And obviously he's going to remember that for and the he's rest a rookie. of his life, but so. yeah. Um, but there were some, there were some holdings that were, that were tough that I think um, set Kansas or set Cincinnati up for failure in, in a few different ways where they were sitting there like, all right, well now it's, it's first and 20, and now we guess our airing it out a little bit. Um, but again, like the fumble by uh, Mahomes was like the weirdest fumble I've ever seen in my mm-hmm. life, where it's just like yeah. he's back there in the pocket. I didn't even know if he ever actually had possession of it. He brings his arm back to kind of like pump fake. And as his arm's going back, the ball just goes whoop and just pops right up in mm-hmm. the air. You know, like like that to me is like that's a gift for you, Cincinnati. So, again, you can sit there and bitch about it, but you in a tie ball game with two and a half minutes left and – three timeouts and the two minute warning. And you, like, and you can't punt in that scenario. <laughs> no, like, and, and, and Kansas city made the stops on that drive. Um, I think they had a sack. Yeah. They, uh, yeah. had a huge sack, um, on uh, second and seven. Um, it's just one of those things where you just kind of, I know that was the intentional grounding penalty that set them up into third and 16. Um, and then he's even after that, he still hit Hayden Hurst for the first down, you know, uh, they had they had chances in this game, um, but the sack on third and eight was the one that killed them. That was the second Chris Jones sack, um, and that puts you in fourth and fifteen on your own twenty-eight mm-hmm. yard line. And it's you know 
if you wanted the game, it was there, right? You can always look back and say, oh, the officiating. And that's what fans do. Fans look back and they want to blame the refs because they're pissed. They're pissed their team lost. And they want somebody to blame because they can't accept to themselves that, no, my team just lost. My team just wasn't as good. And they weren't out it there on the field be. doing what they what yeah. they complain about. So. Yeah, right? It's, it's you know, there, there's nothing you can do. It, it sucks. And it's a very human reaction that we all do, right? We all do that. Um, and I wish Joseph Asai hadn't pushed Mahomes out of bounds because we would have had the new playoff format of overtime, which we hadn't yeah. seen yet this year, which would have been fun. Yeah. And I think it would have been a more authentic way because to your point, Scott, you said earlier, like Cincinnati did not go away this entire game or Vito, maybe you said it. Um, like Cincinnati did not go away. They hung in this game. They were down early 13, or 13 to three. You're thinking, Oh, this game's going to be a blowout. Cincinnati comes down almost had a touchdown before the end of the first half, but Kansas city held them the field goals. Like Cincinnati had their chances in this game and they didn't capitalize. And yes, the penalty parts of it suck, but every single person in that locker room right now, and Burrow said it after the game, you know, he's like, we're not, we're not letting this whole game come down to one play. Like it wasn't just one play. There were ample opportunities and we didn't do a good enough job and we didn't win the game. And it's that simple, but fans would rather blame officiate officiating because it makes them feel better. Right. It, it, they'd rather do that than accept the fact that, Hey, my team just, we just lost. We were the, we were the worst team that day. No, it has to be somebody else's fault. Fact of the matter is like Kansas city made the plays down the stretch and yes, they got a big gift and Cincinnati had every chance to win that game too. But you know, as, as my dad always says, right, you lay in the bed, you make, and Cincinnati did what they did. They put it on the field. They gave a hell of an effort trying to beat a really good team for a third time. Uh, yeah, and, and they're not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere for a long time, as long as Joe Burrow is their quarterback. Back uh, they're they're going to be in the mix here. Yeah, yeah, they would have been the first team to win to go to the same place on the road in back-to-back AFC Championship games and win. They would have been the first team in NFL history to do yeah, that. Yeah, that's insane. Like that, and they damn near almost did. Like that's how fucking hard it is to do that. Cincinnati's not going anywhere. There's going to be battles for for years to come. Um, again, it's a shame. It's a shame, but. You know, I love Joe Burrow and I love Cincinnati, but I will say this. I think, I think I would rather play Kansas city, which is a really kind of dumb thing for me to say, I think, but I just <laughs> historically, yes, <laughs> I, I just, I think, I think the Bengals defense is, is really good. Um, their secondary scares me more than the chiefs. Uh, and, and I think the Eagles are going to have a really good chance. Um, looking ahead for the Chiefs side of it. Health is the biggest thing. Like yeah, for how, sure. How healthy are your guys? Uh, how much can you get Mahomes back to full health, right? If Mahomes comes back in two weeks and is scrambling around, like, that's scary, right? If he's still a little hobbled and he's, you know, he was just kind of playing through an intense amount of pain this week, then I feel better about it because I don't think that's an injury that two weeks later he's going to feel 100% from. Um, but the Chiefs' health, I think, is a big part of it. Uh, Andy Reid's going to have to come up with some interesting game plan stuff. And I think, honestly, I think it's as much on Spagnola too. Yeah. Um, I, I think what, what we saw the Niners do, and, and again, the, the Chiefs don't have the guys to be able to pull off what the Niners did. Because of the speed of Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, they were able to do some of that schematic stuff where they brought everybody down the line of scrimmage and they were doing really good at disguising coverages and also sending guys, right? Um, the Chiefs don't have the same personnel. Um, but Spagnola will blitz. He's not afraid to send pressure. No, but it's not. Spagnola is also the guy that, you know, was the defensive coordinator for the Giants when they beat Brady. And, and what was that whole defense all about, right? Sending four, 
and and getting pressure with four and dropping back into coverage. So I think a lot of this is going to come on Spagnola, right? Because you got to hold the Eagles to under 30 points, I think, if you want a chance to win this game for the Chiefs. And the Chiefs are really good. I mean, it's Mahomes. Yeah. It's like Mahomes is going to give you a chance. You're going um, into a, a game with Mahomes. You're yeah. bringing a gun to a knife fight. Uh, this is one of those games where I, I really think that we could have an all-time game here. And hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully it's a blowout but, uh, for the Eagles. Um, but, I, I mean, just listen, both these teams are – I would say the Eagles are way more balanced, obviously, but Mahomes erases any of that. He just does. So, um, you know, I'll say this especially with the way the Eagles are pressuring. One thing I noticed just as a whole is that they really, you know, collapsed in on the sides and really didn't, I mean, <clears throat> they didn't have to let them, but they were, they were attacking the tackles and pushing them back towards the quarterback a lot. <clears throat> Sorry. I was screaming a little bit yesterday. My voice is a little hoarse, but they, they did a really good job, I guess, keeping uh, the pocket containment almost. And it looked like, it just looks like a great, um, a great rush. They also obviously got to the quarterback, but the way they did that was a little different. It was a lot of speed rushes outside. There's a lot of power too. They mixed it up. And uh, I think that's, what's going to be the good matchup. It's not just, Oh, we have a speed rusher out here, right? Or this guy. It's the amount of moves that all of them have is insane. So guards are going to have to compete with a guy who's usually rushing, you know, on a tackle against most teams. So that's those individual matchups all over with, with also playing as a unit, trying to contain Mahomes. It's going to be wild, man. It's going to be wild. I will say, because I was think, trying to think about this, right, and the last two Super Bowls we've seen Mahomes in are the only other two Super Bowls we've seen Mahomes in. Uh, the San Francisco game, which they very easily could have lost that game, as Scott Good knows. Um, and, you know, that pass to Jimmy G is just a couple yards too long. I, I'm still haunted by that in my <laughs> nightmares. Uh, and then the other one was the, the game against Tampa Bay. And what was that Tampa Bay defense all about, right? I mean, they got after the quarterback. Uh, they got him from the inside. They got him from the outside. And that secondary was young and talented. And this Eagles secondary is better than that. That was Isaiah Whitehead and, uh, um, oh, the uh, Antoine Winfield Jr., his rookie year. And that was like Carlton Davis's like breaking out party. This Eagles secondary is better than that one. And I'd venture to say I think the Eagles defensive line is better than that one. But they don't have Devin White and uh, – uh, oh, who's the other linebacker in Tampa Bay? Scotty. Vito's mic's muted. Um, Sorry. Oh, oh my God. Um, dude, the uh, – Devin White and – Oh, my God. He's so good. I know. Uh, Levante David. Thank Jesus you. Christ. Oh, my Jeez. Uh, God. I, like, I was at that point. I was like, don't look it up. You got this. You got yeah, this. We, yeah. I, we... <laughs> Levante David. Uh, so the Eagles don't have that, but they do have playmakers uh, all around. And I think Kazir White and TJ Edwards definitely going to have to play well in that game. But the D line is going to be the best that Cincinnati or that Kansas City's played all year. Mm-hmm. And this offense is probably going to be – it's up there with, with Buffalo and Cincinnati. And, I again – and, and – Orlovsky has been saying this last couple of weeks, like when, when the Eagles run this style of offense, like they're just, there isn't a way to stop it because if you, if you stop one thing, they'll beat you in another way. If you try to stop something else, they'll beat you somewhere else. Like I, I found myself saying that the entire, well, most of the entire game, I was like, how do you stop that? Like even yeah. as good as the Niners defense is flying all over the field 
it's just there's no way to stop it. And and the Niners, I think, did as good of a job as any team I've seen this year with it because Jalen was frazzled in the first half. Uh, they they got him in rhythm a little bit, right? And they yeah. once they started getting their running game going, and obviously with the way the game shook out, they didn't have to throw the ball much. Yep. Um, but Jalen was definitely a little a little shook, right? And that's because there was a lot of guys in coming at his face, and it wasn't it wasn't like the offensive line wasn't holding up. It's just that there were six or seven rushers at one time, sending corners on blitzes, blitzing linebackers. There were just a, there was a lot going on, and. My biggest, one of my bigger fears, and I'd heard Ben Solak say this, who's awesome an Eagles fan, works at the ringer, referenced him before. You know, he talked about Jalen. He was like, his biggest fear as a fan was that Jalen was just going to have a collapse game, right? Where it's just like, it, he just he just didn't live up to it. Um, and even in a game where he was very clearly rattled right off the bat, he didn't turn the ball over. He minimized mistakes. He got the ball thrown out of bounds when he needed to. He scrambled and picked up a couple yards if there was nothing else there. And that's the kind of Jalen that like you can beat anybody if it kind of turns into a ground and pound ugly style of game. Yeah. Yep. But he can also sling it across the yard if he needs to. They're gonna be playing in warm weather in a yeah. dome. So that's gonna help them too. I, I, was, I, think- I was gonna say, yeah, I think part of that in this game at least was the fact that they were at home and it was a little more comfortable on offense for him. Neutral site will be interesting, especially as well as I know Eagles fans travel, how many will be there in Arizona? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that'll be a, a storyline too, I think. But I think that helps the Eagles' offense. You yeah, know? I agree. Because I because they can they're they'll be faster and stronger in the running game and in, inside, and I think it'll help them throw the ball more too if they want to end up going that route. So it's yeah. and we got two weeks to break it down. Um, again, that line has has moved a little bit. I, I think it's still, uh, I think it's still Eagles Chiefs. Uh, Eagles minus two and a half. Um, it is still Eagles Chiefs. We know that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying to pull up the game. Also, 6.30 start time for the Super Bowl. Is that – have they uh, been doing that the last couple of years? No, I think it's just because it's in mountain time, man. Yeah, maybe. I, I love it. Six six o'clock Eastern. It's um, ideal. <laughs> it's It has lined to uh, – the line has moved to minus two. So, it moved a half point. Over-unders at 49 and a half. Uh, and mm. right now I love this too. The matchup predictor on, uh, on ESPN, exactly 50, 50. Yeah. Exactly uh, that's 50, crazy. 50. Um, they said the rounding error went to the Eagles though. I saw that. There you go. We'll take um, that. <laughs> it is. It has been six 30 for the last few years. We just, uh, probably yep. are so drunk. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I have, I have that Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday off. Oof. Uh, just work happen to work out for my my. So I will be I'll be drunk for three days if the Eagles yeah. win. And uh, win or I, lose, honestly, it's it's. <laughs> I don't bet on my teams usually. Um, so now this is great. Now I'm gonna just spend more money that I don't need to. Uh, yeah, I I'll don't be gambling really... on the on the Super Bowl since my team isn't in it. I might throw a couple prop bets in. Oh, it's dude. always it's always fun. But oh, we gotta uh, do that on the show. That was fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll do our prop bets like we did last year. Uh, last thing I'll say here too, thinking ahead to the Super Bowl, you you brought up before like two first Super Bowl to have two black quarterbacks. That's awesome. Yeah, it's also really cool that number one and number two and MVP are gonna be you know because it's gonna be Mahomes. Yeah, that's Hurts will likely finish second, and before Hurts got hurt, he was probably going to be the consensus MVP. So between those two guys to have the two best quarterbacks in the NFL this season, statistically at least, um, and obviously what they've done with their teams is really really cool again 21 and uh 21 and three uh or sorry 23 and two in jalen hurts last 25 games um 
16 and one as a starter this year. And, and going back to that loss against Washington, right? If fucking Quez Watkins just doesn't fumble the ball. I mean, he could be under, he could so easily be undefeated in games. He started this year. And yet he's the coolest, calmest motherfucker in the room every single time. Can't sing worth a lick though. I don't know if you heard the story. Were you still there at that point, Vito, when they gave out the trophy or were you gone? Yeah, dude. Oh no. I stayed for everything. That was, Terry his... Bradshaw was so fucking weird. Let me tell you what. Oh yeah. He did not do it for like, he's like, Oh, it's been six yells stuff. And then he's like, uh, that was funny. How he's responding. He also doesn't great. like the Niners. Like, yeah. We need to do this more often or something like that. It was a good, it was a good comment back. Yeah. And then, yeah, he started going off and he's yeah asking Jalen about he's grown in two years. It was and Jalen's like, dude, I'm here to like talk about my team and we won. And it was just like not everything Jalen wouldn't want to say, you know, he was yeah. asking about. And then so like, it was just awkward a little bit. And then, yeah, then they asked him to like, I'm going to get all my friends up here. And we're going to sing this fight song. And it was like, yeah, Jalen started singing, and, and it, luckily it was so loud in the stands I couldn't really hear. I'm sure on on TV you guys heard better. But oh like, wait, here let me let me play this for you then, uh, real quick because you need to hear this, and we'll we'll end the show here because it was so so bad. On the road to victory. It was just, it was it's, just. It's awful. not his best work. for, for again. Terry called it the best singing football team in the league, right? Uh, it's it's hard that your quarterback can't really join. That's why he just spoke. Yeah. That's why you Christmas just get Malata. Just yeah. get Malata up there and just you know. That's what they should have done. Well, so I did see somebody say, "Oh, now I see why Jalen was left off the Eagles' Christmas album." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Yep, that tracks. That tracks." Yep. All right, uh, that's all we got for the pod today. Go Birds! Congrats to the Chiefs. Great seasons for the Niners and Bengals. It's been a long road, boys, but we're here. Two more weeks. Yeah. And uh, think about it, two weeks from right now. This, I'm either going to still be drunk trying to host a podcast or uh, I'm going to be really sad because the Eagles. Well, dude, the other, you know, the other thought I had um, after the games last night, something I was thinking about today was like, uh, Vito, your theory, like, let's do the third place game. Cause I would love to see the Niners Bengals play each other. Yeah. That would be a fun That'd game. Be awesome, that would be a fun yeah. game. Uh, but it'll be, uh, it'll, it'll be fun. We'll have plenty of time to break down all the games. Uh, we'll see what we can do. Maybe try to get a guest on here to help break down the games with us. That'd be fun. Um, so everybody have a wonderful week. Go birds, Super Bowl bound. Let's get it. Bring the trophy back to Philly six years. Oh, I'd be a dream. It'd be a dream. So everyone, thank you to the boys. Love you all. Have a wonderful week. We'll talk to you guys on Friday. And as always, take it easy, everybody.